Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today I'm joined, as always, by my heterosexual life partner, Rob. And we are joined by the lovely Marion from uh, Grim, uh, Grim Exchange. That's what it's called, the Grim Exchange. Hey everyone, good to see you, finger guns. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we just brought Marion on just because uh, she's a, a fountain of knowledge, as i found from her channel. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to talk to you about how you got into horror and stuff, Marion. So do you want to take it away? Okay. All right, just jump right into it. How I got into horror. Well, sit down, I will spin you a tale. Um, uh, I got into horror fairly late compared to other people because I have sleep paralysis issues. (laughs) So um, I thought that if my brain was able to come up with these stories that were absolutely terrifying, then a film that was produced to scare you would be even worse than that. So I think um, I held out, even though I was always drawn to creepy things, I think I uh, dove into literature before I dove into films, horror literature and spooky tales. uh, And uh, and a lot of films that I didn't perceive as horror as a child, you know, now I look back and I go, no, that's, that's a scary movie little Merriam of the past you you were watching horror films like gremlins is a classic horror film I don't know what to tell you but it didn't feel that way to me um so I kind of avoided it for a long time and then I remember like the first time I was fully aware that I was seeking out a horror film and I wanted to watch it was when I was 17 and I saw The Grudge uh, and um, and it was a really great experience because first of all, I realized that horror films are not as bad as nightmares. So I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I was scared of. Um, but second of all, it was a weird experience because the first half of the film, I didn't think was scary at all. And then at the halfway point, I realized, oh my God, this is actually terrifying. And the second half of the film was just, it just kept getting worse and it just kept escalating. And then when it was over, I was uncomfortable, but I was excited as well. It was like that combination, considering I was already 17. So I was, you know, not a kid anymore. And then I thought, all right, I want to watch another one. And then I saw um, the, and then I saw Saw as my second horror film. And then I saw The Exorcist as my third and all within the month. And, uh, and that, that was it. I was addicted. I, could, I don't think I've watched any genre of film as much as I have horror. And, uh, and I'd say these days, 99% of what I consume is um, either horror or a documentary uh, because horror has so many like crossover directions as well. So yeah, I just, I, I just fell in love with the genre. Like, I can't help it. I love it. I do remember myself. I mean, I watched many movies as a kid and some of them were sort of horror movies, like, but not like, the, I mean, The Lost Boys. Yeah, that is sort of, do you class The Lost Boys as a horror film? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, arguably vampires make it a horror film by default. Yeah, because but I think it's I've also always put, it, I've always put like um, horror, like The Lost Boys, like in a, I've always said that the eighties, the eighties is like a genre, and uh, like Chad said, then it's like coming of age movie. And even though, of course, there's many scary moments about it, as a kid, I never felt scared by it. I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it was just you know um, ignorance as being a child. But when I watched Scream, and that was in '96, that was when I started watching more horror films. That really terrified me. 
I don't know why I must have looked at it from a different point of view from when I was a, a child, but Scream sort of like, you know, it was so much, I had so much adrenaline watching Scream. It was like, you know, it shocked me quite a lot. I was like, wow, this film has got me pumped. I want to see more of this kind of kind of genre of movie sort of thing. That's kind of. It was very shocking when it came out, though. Scream, wasn't it? Especially with, uh, especially with like Drew Barrymore, obviously. I can give him the yeah, yeah, where she's been gutted and she's like. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. I think it's a matter of of that fantasy element as well, because a lot of the stories that we are told as children, especially like the fairy tales that we that we hear about. I know there are edited versions and there are Disney versions, but generally there are some stories that aren't sugar-coated too much. And we are very used to as children hearing stories about things that are not great, but it's wrapped up in something more fantastical. And I think for a child or a young person, and this is something that I, I do talk about quite a bit as well, because I work with scientists who are studying um, the effect of horror on, on the human psyche as well. Um, and I think that when, it, when it's too close to reality, when it has that gore aspect, and when that fantastical element is, is taken away from it, that's hard for kids to process when they're too young. The same with sexuality as well. I think sexuality combined with horror is something that you really can't introduce to a child at all and even a teenager um, until you know they're more matured in that department without the horror element it's it's something that kind of progresses so I could very much see how Lost Boys um, or even films like the Goonies which is a classic kids movie yeah. you know it's it's you know it's it's scary in its own way but it's there's something about it that feels like a fairy tale or like a, a classic you know the knight or the knights are going on an adventure and and they're trying to you know either uncover the truth or save someone or whatever and then scream is is effectively a deranged slasher movie even though now as adults we watch it we see the parody and we understand where they were going with it but when you're young you don't get that yet you don't you don't differentiate between the two so if it's too close to to realism um then i think it's harder for a young person to process what was great about scream i thought as well was how much sort of like let's say for someone like myself who did not know much about horror films at the time it was a bit like that movie itself was a bit like an encyclopedia because there's so many references yeah. to movies of the past, which obviously help, you know, a viewer like myself, you know, to sort of think, you know, like, like when Skeet Ulrich goes, Anthony Perkins, psycho. Well, when like Wes Craven's dressed up as Freddy Krueger, he's yes, a janitor in, yeah. the, in, in, in the jumper and he's called Fred. Yeah, I mean, and um, Henry Winkler's like, Fred, what are you doing yeah, here? Exactly. <laughs> there's so many sort of like, like references in that film and like I say that's a good movie I think for people to start with if they want to get into horror films because it might excite you to go and check other genres or give you a little bit of a head start in finding characters that you might like sort of thing. Although I feel like that opinion is affected by the fact that it was one of the earlier films that you saw um, because I think that knowing horror films better um, gives you a different watching experience and yeah. I dare say that watching it before you've seen other horror movies uh, is great, but you should watch it again once you've watched a lot of horror movies because you'll really appreciate the nuances in the film. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, that's how you went through it. So subjectively, that's what you feel good about. But it's one of those things where I bet if you every 10 years of your life, if you went back and you saw the movie again every 10 years, every single time, it would be a different watching experience. Yeah. Just like sometimes you take those classics and then you watch them with someone 
who's never seen them before in context of, of, of a different society, of different times, of different pop culture, and then their experience is different and you're observing them processing this film so differently than the way you did when you first watched it. So I think Scream is one of those films that is a must see, but it's also one of those films, and I don't necessarily, I'm gonna be honest, like watching films more than once. I do it very rarely, but that's one of those films I feel like you can watch more than once and it'll mean something else every time. So, you know, a bit off topic from that, but you say you don't watch a film like any more than the once. Do you, have like, do you not have like a comfort film then that you just watch religiously because it makes you feel good? Well, for some reason, um, I like stuff that are, I don't know, 80 to 100 years old um, because there's comfort in that. I think that it kind of reminds me of, of, you know, when you had a, a channel that usually did kids programs during the day and then there was a time, I don't, at least in the States, and then they would flip and then they'd stop showing kids programs and they would start showing old movies. Not necessarily horror, but sometimes horror and sometimes sci-fi and that sort of thing. And I remember, because usually it was past my bedtime, but if I ever woke up in the middle of the night, my parents were sleeping and I snuck to the TV room and I couldn't turn it on because like naughty, naughty, um, those old films would run. And I would just watch it because it was television, but it's kind of led to the fact that now when something old is running, like a black and white sort of film, despite the pacing being different and the effects being different and the sound quality being different, there's something that reminds me of what it was like to be a kid and sneaking that time for yourself when no one else is watching that provides comfort. There's another thing that I do as well when I can't sleep at night. Uh, sometimes I put on the old radio show, The Shadow. And I know it's not completely hard. It's more like, I don't know, a detective story with like a phantom element to it but what's cool is that some of the recordings um they must have been filmed or recorded it's purely audio in front of in front of people so they have the advertisements for like blue coal at the beginning and you can hear people in the audience like chuckling over jokes and over the wittiness of some of these commercials and those people haven't been around for decades. They're gone, but, but their voices are captured in that space during the reading of this story. And there's just something about it. It's almost like the comfort of these ghosts around you that you know no longer exist. I don't know, there's something about that that I find particularly cool. So I'll consume that over and over again and it'll make me feel good. That's, I think that was the most the beautiful thing, thing that's ever been said on this show. Yeah, it was that, like, was, that uh, was deep, Mariam, that was deep. You, you, you put that as a yeah. one-woman one play or something yeah. on the I want that on my gravestone. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was top-notch poetry right there. Is there a um, sort of like movie <laughs> A movie from your childhood sort of thing that you kind of um like you like to like revisit every so often that, that's well, that, that's not maybe horror first of all comedies um yeah. whether it's a horror comedy or a different kind of comedy i feel like it's almost like having an inside joke with your friend but it's a film uh a good comedy i will watch over and over again and then with with my childhood films um you know most stuff that i watched as a child and enjoyed I would, I would enjoy watching again because, and I think this comes from the VHS era where your parents have had films on cassette and, and 
they just put them on more than once because they needed to keep you entertained. There was no streaming. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but my parents didn't necessarily buy all the cassettes. Sometimes they would, they would play a film maybe on TV and then record it onto like another VHS, an empty one that they bought. So we would have these cassettes with like lots of films that at some point ran on TV. Uh, and yeah, you we would did watch that one those. Yeah, right. And I think that's that's kind of the VHS kids will know that. I, I don't think people before that era completely understand. And I don't think people after will either. I mean, maybe in theory, yes. But now there are so many films that are made that are never watched. Um, you have to be really selective with your time. Right. There's a lot of quality stuff, a lot of independent stuff. People are more selective with what they view. So there's less of, you know, less big pop culture movements. Like you have to see this film. It's all like subgenres and subcultures now, which is really cool because you're constantly discovering new stuff. But it's, there was there's something about being part of that generation where you had what you got and you made the best of it and it meant something to you you know even if it was a crappy film it meant something to you yeah. so yeah there's definitely if something from my childhood was put on an old film I'd, I'd be like yes let's let's do this can you remember the first film you rented from a video store can you rob i've got an idea <laughs> i know mine i know mine i've got Two, two, go on, John. Mine's Babe 2, Pig in the City. <laughs> and I talk about Babe 2, Pig, Pig, by, George Miller, by George Miller. By George Miller. <laughs> Weirdly enough, actually, this is quite coincidental. There's two films, I'm not too sure in which order, but the two, the first, the first two that I rented was The Goonies and uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, also directed by George Miller. Not as good as Babe 2, though. No, but... Pig in know, the City. I've not seen either Babe <laughs> film, but this is made me want to watch it. You should watch Babe. I, I know. This guy. Yeah, we have, one was great. We have um, car boot sales um, in the UK, which is basically like, uh, what do you call them in America or Germany? Uh, uh, have you heard of car boot sales? I know what a, I mean, they don't have that here, but I know what a car boot sale is. Yeah, <laughs> because um, at the weekend, I, I literally walked past Babe. One, a yard babe sale. That's what Americans call it. A yard sale. There you go. Well, actually, for our American yeah, friends. But a yard sale is on well, your yard. It's babe, not from your car I walk past the We're not man in the way. And made two DVD. I walk past them on the weekend on someone's table. And now thinking about it, I really regret not getting Babe 2 Pig in the City. Yeah, I, I, I believe you will take that regret to your grave because that is a big one. <laughs> Hang my head in shame. <laughs> last words on the last, last I should have brought those DVDs. That's <laughs> gone. You, you can leave one on the grave for me. I'll do it. But, uh, babe 2. I, I don't remember what the first cassette was that I that we ever rented. Um, I, rem I remember one that I rented a lot was Mulan. I don't know why my parents didn't just buy it. Um, but and I told Chad this, but I didn't tell you this. Um, one film that probably was my earliest spooky film memory was the straight to TV movie, uh, The Halloween Tree. The, one uh, of the best. Caught in Network show films ever. It's so you know what, and and I didn't get what Hanna Barbera was at the time. Like I didn't know any of these things, but I remember watching it and the different insights on Halloween, where it came from, how different cultures celebrate it, the fact that these friends are trying to save the soul of their very sick friend. There's a lot of 
really uh, serious themes that are picked yeah. up in this film, but it's so colorful. It's based on a book, you know, it's it's so much fun. The book so I enjoyed that. Yeah, no, it's it's all fantastic, good. and I and I definitely recommend it, even even the straight to TV movie. But what kind of added an additional nuance as an adult? So as a kid, I loved it. As a teen, I loved it. But then as an adult, I kind of went back. You know, Wikipedia was a thing, and I was like, you know, what can I learn about this film? And I didn't realize until my adult age that Leonard Nimoy was the voice yeah. for the Grim Reaper. And what's extra cool is that. Leonard Nimoy's birthday is my birthday. Oh. So it added an additional level of, uh, of connection to the whole thing. I was like, okay, okay, I like that. Definitely makes it more special. One of my favorite films as a kid, going off topic now in sort of spookiness kind of thing, but one of my first films I remember watching as a kid was Three Men and a Baby, also directed by Leonard Nimoy. Leonard Nimoy there directed. you go. Yeah. Full circle. I had no exactly. idea he directed that. That's amazing. He did, yeah. Well, back on back on the Halloween tree, it's actually become a, a bit of a, a family tradition for me. I showed my son a few years back, so now we watch it every year as well, and my wife watches it as well. And it's well, I have to bring it in for you. You'll have to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I've not I've yeah. actually heard of it. Chad mentioned it recently, and I was like, what? what? He said Leonard Nimoy, so I thought, well, I'm in already, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I need to see if there's a Blu-ray available that, that they can ship to Germany and I need to get a digitalized version of this because the last time, okay, the last time I saw it was last year um, and I showed some friends who had never seen it before and I was like, what is wrong with you? If you want to stay my friends, we need to watch the Halloween tree. And, and they fell asleep during the film. I admit it was super late. I don't judge them. Uh, they ended up rewatching it separately afterwards. But it's such a it's such a fun movie and, and weird. It has um, a weird tone to it because of that of that underlying oh, their friend is dying of some really serious disease. There's something really weird about it. It's not just, we're kids and we're going on an adventure. There's, there's something really heavy about it. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's super cool. I, I highly recommend it. I need to get my hands on a physical. physical I could only ever though. find a DVD of it and I could only ever find it on eBay and I had to get shipped from the States to here to be able to watch it. Is it rare then? I mean, it, it, I had to pay a pretty penny for it, to be fair. Okay. I think I ended up paying about £27 for it okay. in the end, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can stream it um, online uh, for, for a small fee, but but it's, it, you know, for someone who wants to own the physical copy, copy it's, it's, yeah, it's a hassle, but it's a TV movie. It was never, it's not like it's this big, big, you know, production. It, it was a TV movie. Although arguably they put a lot of work into that because basically every chapter is a new country yeah. with a new setup and a new style. I mean, that for, for an animated TV film, it was very ambitious. So I don't know why it's not more commonly distributed. Don't know, don't know, but it's a great film. You should watch it. Let me know what you think. I'm going to make him watch yeah, it. <laughs> I do want to see it because I, I have a son who's four and he's starting to, um, I took him to his first cinema experience the other day to watch uh, Paw Patrol the movie. Good film. And he generally was like, you know, <laughs> you know, was was in hopefully, you know, I was hoping he would be in awe of it, and he luckily was. But um, I wanted to sort of, you know, have to expand his. Hey, can a four-year-old watch the Halloween tree? Yeah, yeah. I watched yeah. it when I was. I think I think I was five when it came out. Very ed educational. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then in that case, yeah, he will definitely get to see it, and he will watch it hopefully the first time I do. So. Two perspectives. Yeah, it's very good. I, I love it. And child. 
Well, generally when it comes to horror and children, and I will say this because I think especially horror fans who are now parents themselves or becoming parents, you know, it's something that they, that they do think about a lot. And what, um, what's brilliant about certain forms of media uh, with horror for children is that it teaches kids um, how to take control over what works for them and what doesn't. It teaches them to set their own boundaries. So when you're reading a scary book to a kid, the kid can say, you know, I don't want to anymore. And then you close the book or the kid closes the book or it might linger on a page and look at an illustration for a lengthy amount of time because it's scary, but you want to study it and kind of explore your feelings. And it's the same with films. You know, as long as you watch these movies with your kids and when they're uncomfortable, you, you let them know, hey, we can turn it off. It's fine. We have control over that. Psychologically, it's fantastic for, um, for, for kids when they're developing those boundaries for themselves, exploring where their own boundaries are. It's very healthy, I would argue, and a lot of, a lot of psychologists would argue as well, um, to let kids get in touch with harm as long as the themes are not too mature. Um, and then, you know, maybe not four, but when they get to like nine, eight, nine, ten, then there's, there's also the experience of watching something spooky or telling like campfire stories with your friends, because then it's not just about, you know, your own personal boundaries, but it's about status because you guys are brave and you manage to sit through a whole movie and you just feel better about yourself. There's that peer dynamic, there's the confidence and that comes um, you know, later on when they're a little bit older. But at that age, it's, it's about teaching them boundaries and it's, um, it's very healthy, but you just need to make sure you, you keep an eye on it and you watch what works for them and what doesn't. So would you, you say there's a, um, an age that you think's right to start watching horror films? Yeah, um, again, avoid mature themes. Also, yeah. every child is different. Yeah. Every child has different boundaries. Um, you need to develop a sensitivity um, you know, towards what your kid or the kid in front of you, what they like, what they, what, they, what they don't like, what they're exposed to, what they haven't been exposed to yet. But the fact of the matter is, especially children, they constantly deal with intimidating situations and subject matter there's a lot they don't understand yet there's a lot that's scary and they look to us adults um you know particularly parents but it could also be like grandparents aunts uncles teachers they look to us to kind of make them feel good about something make them feel comfortable um and and kind of teach them what's okay and what isn't okay uh and i know a lot of people who already show adult horror films to their children, but they say the 70s, 80s stuff, even if it's gory, if it looks fake, I will sit with my kids and I'll say it's fake, it's fake, it's fake, and they can kind of distance themselves from it. Um, but again, it, that is a very unique choice and everyone has to kind of deal with that themselves. I've been to conventions and worked at conventions where, for example, um, the, the kid is dressed, the little girl is dressed up like Pennywise. And this kid has not seen it before, but it loves being the monster because there's something empowering about dressing up and being the scary thing. Uh, and then at another Christmas market, I was collecting donations dressed as Krampus. So I was in like full Krampus gear with like a whip 
and a bell. And it was, you know, I mean, arguably this is the adult part of it, but I offered to shout at people and hit them with the sticks if they donated to um, Whitechapel and got a lot of donations that day. It was a very successful <laughs> day. But I remember, um, I remember a little girl coming up to me with her mother and um, and she looked at me, obviously I had contact lenses, big fur and all this makeup on um, because big kids like to dress up too. Uh, and, and she was kind of like looking at me like, what's the situation here? And her mom said, it's okay, you can, you can go up to Krampus, Krampus isn't gonna hurt you. Um, and then I said, hey there, little girl. And, uh, and, and she opened her mouth with a big smile and had those glow in the dark vampire things in her mouth. You, you guys know the little plastic ones that you, that you get for Halloween. And, um, and I said, wow, that's so scary. And she was super proud that I said that. And I said, and I would know because I'm a monster. And she just giggled and she was really excited. So although she looked at me and it was really freaky at first, the fact that her mom was like, it's fine. And then she could show off her teeth and I would show off my horns and we were bonding over being scary. She was having a lot of fun and she really loved it. And her mom was laughing and it was great, but it was a very slow, you know, very safe space. Someone she trusted was there and it was like step-by-step step and not me like jumping out or booga, booga, booga and just freaking her out. It was like, no, no, it was, it was a communication. It was a process. And that's, that's always what it's like when it comes to kids and scary stuff. Kids like feeling scared if they feel like that they're safe. Like I'm feeling scared, but nothing is actually going to happen to me. And if I don't want it, it will go away. That's okay. It's when it, it feels like it's out of control that kids don't know how to process that. And they shouldn't really be put in that situation because that can have long-term effects on them. I suppose that's the way, like, so obviously, because children love like fairy tale books, which they grow up on, and they read the stories in bed with their, and the parents will put on the voices, and they will create, you know, they will recreate the character themselves, and like that kind of, because I used to read like religiously um, Hansel and Gretel, which I generally thought was a scary story because of it. Was she a witch? The witch, the yeah, witch, yeah, yeah, in the gingerbread house. Yeah, and I've always been scared of like, you know, of all horror characters or you know. Um, People, I've always been like, witches have always been something I've, like I remember watching Angelica Houston in The Witches as a terrifying child. And what a wonderful movie. And I actually went to the, I actually went to the hotel where they filmed it in Cornwall, cool. um, down south. They actually have, um, they actually have a tour at that hotel really? to this day in, in, in Cornwall where you can go and um, look at the set basically. And they actually have a, someone's, um, I believe recently they actually announced um, the actual hotel, they're looking for someone to play the Grand High Witch. That's wild, in cool. Makeup. So when people come to visit and do the tour, so you know the Grand High, the Grand High Witch is there. And but like I say, I'll you know, send my application. Yeah, you can. You, you, you know, Krampus is coming. Um, but um, but yeah, watching um, like I say the witches and reading Hansel and Gretel, things like that. You know, my parents were always there for me to sort of you know make to make me realise it wasn't real. And to, you know, and it's okay to sort of be scared, and obviously to stop if it's a bit too much, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just a side note: um, I named my car Angelica Houston. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, Morticia. Morticia. Yeah. Morticia as well. 
Yeah, well, it's because I've got a window on, on my roof and, um, and I can close this thing for shade. So my car throws shade. And if you've ever seen Angelica Houston in recent interviews, she throws shade. So at some point I was like, I'm naming my car Angelica Houston to celebrate no, the Grand Hyatt, which is <laughs> the best, best name for a car. Obviously, at the beginning, I said that you've got your own channel, uh, The Grim Exchange. Very good channel, may I just add. Um, so, yeah, just want to give you sort of the floor now to sort of, if you've got anything coming that you want to tell our sort of channel people that watch us about. And obviously, you've been making mad moves with, um, you've interviewed the guy who directed PG Goldman and stuff. And, yeah, you're doing really well at the moment. And we hope to get there one day ourselves. So, yeah, have you got anything you want to... Well, um... Yeah, so I, I do a lot of Q&As for lots of different festivals, online platforms. Um, I just, I love interviewing horror content creators. I just love it. Um, and and I guess that's why I'm booked to do these things. Uh, so when I interviewed um, Steve for, for Psycho Gorman, that was for Hard DNA, for example. Um, and I think just a few days ago, we had a, a, the link go up for my interview. Um, with Cody for Vicious Fun. Um, we've also got uh, an interview with uh, Barbara Crampton coming up for Horror wow. DNA um, nice. for Jacob's wife. And the, yeah, and the director, it's a fantastic one. And another one um, um, with, uh, with the director of The Night House, which is currently, I think, on. So that's also for our mm. Horror DNA and that will be going up soon. I think this weekend actually. Um, but then the other channel um, where I do a lot of content is um, Grimfest TV. And yes, we have the Grim Exchange that is usually when it's not um, summer break every two weeks. But what we have coming up is a lot of bonus content that's connected to Grim Up North or Grimfest, the actual horror film festival. So a lot of that bonus content will be going on uh, in addition to the Grim Exchange. And um, Another thing that we're doing again this year that we also did last year, in case you also want to binge the old ones, the old episodes. Uh, when I interview people, I horror filmmakers, I try to get them to tell me real life spooky stories, whether it's weird coincidences, ghost encounters, anything like that. And uh, and we do compilation videos, so it's you know horror content cool. creators telling real life spooky stories. So you'll be getting that in October as well. Um, like I said, you can already see some of the stories from last year, but we've got a new a new lineup for for this October. So um, yeah, definitely check out Grim Exchange and generally channel Grimfest TV. Check out everything I do for horror DNA. Um, but generally, I bounce around a lot. So um, if you kind of want updates on what I'm doing in general, my Instagram page is probably a good place to go. Um, handle is at lady underscore Mariam underscore Michael. And I have a new Twitter account that I kind of only just opened a few weeks ago. And uh, I think I'm just called Ms. Lady Mariam on Twitter. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this. Uh, yeah, this has been very, very informative, uh, Mariam. You're very, very uh, well... I'm sorry. Well, you know your stuff is what I'm trying to say, I think. We were saying basically before we started recording that Mariam was an encyclopedia. I think from this video, yeah. you proved that. You are, well. you are. Yes. You put me to shame. <laughs> yeah. Put me to shame, I thought I knew my stuff, but I am, I am not uh, a stuff knower. It's not even the words you say, is it? Why not? Use it, use it, <laughs> go with it. 
So yeah, we just want to say thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you very and, much. Uh, thank you for having me. No, it's anytime. been great. And we'll have to do this again sometime. Definitely. Yeah, we'll sure. definitely have you on again. Thank you very thank much. You. Cheers, Bye, thank thanks. you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers for that, Marion. That was a great episode. Uh, don't forget to check out all of Marion's uh, Instagram, Twitter, and check out everything she does on YouTube. Again, we'll put some links at the bottom. Yes, of this we'll video put some so links in them. Uh, so yeah, that uh, brings us to the end of the show. Yeah. Again, great show. Uh, thanks again, Mariam. And yeah, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and do all the other things. Cheers, guys. <laughs> Sorry, she did finger guns as well. I'll see some finger guns.